0: wonderful is it that nobody need wait a single moment before starting to improve the world and frank i'm pretty sure that's one of my very favorite quotes of all time and i've been thinking about it a lot lately uh in the face of some controversy i've been involved in so get this you guys i'm a band author sort of uh last week uh the long time venue for the ozark's Writers League, which is also known as OWL, Uh, their conference, which is coming up that I'm going to be speaking at, uh, cut ties with them. Merely, I don't know, it was maybe two weeks before the actual event, uh, largely because I'm set to speak there and another woman is leading a workshop on writing about sex. Uh, My topic has nothing to do with girl boners. Uh, Well, it does have something to do with girl boners, but it's not uh, explicit or even sex related. It's about increasing self confidence. But apparently, the venue heads weren't terribly hip on my advocacy for female sexual empowerment in general. Um, and they also uh, disapproved of The Art of Cussing, another workshop, which I could actually use. I cuss a lot less than my characters tend to. And one led by award-winning author Velda Brotherton, who's teaching that wonderful workshop on writing sex scenes. She's an incredible artist, and I can't wait for that as well. Here's where it gets goofier, though. The f- conference program has never been before been questioned or analyzed. But this one's theme, Celebrating Women Writers, invited scrutiny. And the College of the Ozarks, which was the location, had every right to make the decision they did, and Al will respect that, as do I, but I don't think staying within the bounds of what's necessarily legal, uh, you know, or, or feasible <laughs> makes the underlying issues less sad or important. As I wrote in the blog post on the ordeal, I have deep compassion for anybody who associates sexuality with shame. Because really they're victimized by the same currents that undercut the ability for so many people to embrace themselves in their bodies and to live full, authentic lives. I really believe that, regardless of how one, you know, feels religious-wise or spiritually. Here's what's really cool. Rather than simply boot me, Velda Brotherton, and the cussing topic from the program, which may have seemed easier to some people, Owl secured a new place to have the conference and has used the ordeal to bring light to issues that really matter, Uh, ending discrimination against women writers and celebrating the heck out of them with the hashtag campaign, Women's Right to Write. My first guest today, the person responsible for these admirable and important moves, is Casey Cowan, the president of OWL. He's also the president and creative director of Augma Creative Media and an all around awesome human being. Thank you so much for joining me, Casey. How are you doing today?
1: Oh, I'm great, August. thanks very much.
0: You sound very calm and collected considering how busy <laughs> you have been. Could you tell us what your reaction was initially when when you learned that uh, that the college had cut ties with with the organization?
1: Uh, well, I would say unmitigated surprise. Um, this was an institution that Owl has had a relationship with for 30 years, and they were, totally not interested in talking with us or negotiating with us at all. It was just the decision had been made. Boom. We don't care if you change the workshop titles. We don't want your speakers on campus. And I, I found it very, very unprofessional. And uh, But uh, when life hands you lemons, you make lemonade. And uh, I went out and took care of business to uh, find us a new venue as quickly as possible.
0: Did you ever? I mean, by the time... You called me, which I believe it was maybe the same day or very shortly after. Mm-hmm. You already had even, I think, more than one option and had already turned the ordeal into uh, something positive to bring more light to uh, the conference topic, which is celebrating women writers. Why did you decide t- on that theme in the first place?
1: Well, um, for me, as a publisher myself, it's, it's uh, an issue that's near and dear to my heart because we have many great women writers uh, in our publishing company, uh, two of which were nominated last year for Pulitzers. Um, And women are wholly, tragically underrepresented in major publishing firms. Um, They are not nearly published in as many numbers as men are, uh, and that's that's just simply not right. Not only that, but many of them are forced into genres they, they really don't want to write. Uh, for instance, Felda Brotherton, uh, one of the major uh, controversies <laughs> for yeah. speaking at this conference, she, when she first started writing, she was writing tough westerns but with female protagonists. And because she was a woman and because she had a female protagonist, she was told by New York, New York you either have to write this as a romance or we're not going to take it. Um, also, it's, it's kind of a, uh, a double standard that women face today, especially when they're trying to write serious fiction. The men, when they write books about major social topics, uh, uh, questioning society's current course and things like that, it's labeled as literature and it's put out to a wide audience. However, when most females write that kind of book, um, they're labeled as women's fiction, which is kind of this backhanded allusion to the fact that since they're women, their viewpoints cannot be as, anywhere as serious as men, and they should—they can't appeal to a wider audience. And with some of the women writers that I know, that is as far away from the truth as could be possible. Um, not only that, but many men, especially men in the publishing industry, view the two hottest-selling genres, romance and erotica, as somehow beneath them Mm. Uh, i've even dealt with that within my own publishing company with former partners um, that they don't see any need for it it's fluff that shouldn't even be considered being able to be published and i find that repugnant Uh, anything that that uh, we can write anything that we as men can write or do women are just as able to do
0: Such fantastic points. And I'm really particularly struck by what you said about uh, erotica and that genre being considered fluff, because in my opinion, and I think many, many others, erotica has been the one place where women could express themselves about sexuality, where it has been taboo for us for so long and to uh, not allow that kind of empowerment and, you know, a way for us to learn and explore and celebrate our bodies and, you know, without shame, that's, that is just um, devastating to hear. And you've also launched a beautiful campaign, which I've had so much fun participating in and getting to know uh, the OWL community before I even uh, get to arrive to to meet many of you in person. Um, Tell us about Women's Right to Write.
1: Well when the uh, the decision came down from College of the Ozarks to uh, to sever our working relationship, um, we decided that they launched a salvo of press against us and, and we answered it and we started to pick up on some uh, some national level even news stories and everything about this and it, it's not about the idea of publicizing owl but it's an, an idea about bringing attention to the, the very subject that we're trying to highlight. Here we are trying to talk about these women's issues that we're talking about, and they're going to ban us for that very reason. This is a chance for us to bring national spotlight on this topic. And so once that happened, we decided, as a matter of fact, there was a very, very uh, uh, great suggestion from you, I think it was, <laughs> uh, that we should we should capitalize on this and try to create a national campaign celebrating women in writing. So the Uh, women's right to write hashtag came about and we have been plugging that as as much as possible it's been in several news stories it's been on twitter it's been on facebook we've had a great response and i i feel like we've mobilized women authors and writers nationwide to understand what we're doing and why and take part and stand up for themselves and free speech in
0: the process. Beautiful and timely. It just so happens to be banned book week, you know, which was not part of the plan. Obviously, this is all kind of spontaneous. Uh, so it's so interesting. And uh, to be able to take that conversation, as you said, to a national level is is so powerful. I've had fun with it. And I think I mentioned to you that uh, something that I had tweeted with the, with the hashtag uh, Elizabeth Gilbert, one of my favorite authors, who what I appreciate so much about her also it's her activism and standing up for women. And uh, it was so neat that she, she clicked favorite on it. And I thought, you know, what? I took a screenshot of it. And I said, this is like a, a little, you know, a sparkly little message that says, you guys are absolutely on the right track, you know, and um, it feels like your organization is getting worthy attention, which is beautiful. I know you've been on NPR for this and, and all kinds of things. Uh, what are some other goals that you have moving forward as far as um, aside from the conference, which I'd love to hear a little bit about. But as a company, because I know you're a publisher as well, do you have specific goals as far as um, some of these different discriminatory uh, ideas?
1: Well, um, when we started this, pub- uh, this publishing firm, uh, it's called Augma Creative Media, um, we were really behind the idea of being different from New York. New York seems to be the, the literary wine tasters, that's what the, way, the way they view themselves, and that we should not be looking at any book that they're not pushing out. So, but they won't take chances on any authors not already that don't already have a name, that aren't already well-known. Uh, at the same time, Amazon kind of kind of came into the, the, uh, the industry and said, okay, well, anybody can publish. So there was this, this mass of self-publishing, m- much of it very low quality, that has turned a lot of readers off. So you're stuck between these two giants that are doing things in this this one way. I don't think that's a great way of doing business, and we wanted to change that paradigm.
0: Beautiful. Well, you're certainly doing an amazing job of that. And uh, I'm supporting you and and cheering you on and so, so appreciate your support and the support of so many of your associates and and colleagues there. Uh, The OWL Conference features women authors from around the country, including myself and uh, Paris Bonds, who is one of the um, originators of Romance Writers of America, uh, and workshops conducted by successful women authors, including Brotherton, Jan uh, marler um, excuse me, Jan marler Morrill, Kay Lawson, Sylvia Dickie smith Katie McCrite, Pamela Foster, and Rhonda Davaccio. I am so excited to to meet these people, to attend the workshops. Uh, and uh, where can we learn more, Casey? Uh,
1: go to www.ozarkswritersleague.com uh, or find us on Facebook under Ozarks Writers League. And all the information you'll need, the uh, the event poster and everything is right there.
0: Perfect. Well, thank you so much for joining me. I can't wait to see you all soon.
1: Can't wait to see you either, August.
0: So fascinating, right? It's amazing how much your life can change in, like, you know, a phone call a day, an hour. It's been, it's been really interesting. The OWL Conference features women authors from around the country, including myself and Paris Bonds, who is fantastic, uh, as keynote speakers, and workshops conducted by successful women authors, including Brotherton, Jan Marler-Murril, Kay Lawson, Sylvia Dickey-Smith, Katie McWright, Pamela Foster, and Rhonda Baccio. The event is open to the public, as attendees will enjoy presentations on the writer's craft and the publishing industry. It's only $10 for attendees, and visit OzarkWritersLeague.com for more information. Our next guest is a revolutionary. Jan Robbins began her career in Oklahoma City, producing and writing TV commercials, earning more than 15 regional Addy Awards. She came to L.A. to pursue a writing and producing career and found so much more. Her first job was as a personal assistant and editor to best-selling, world-famous, controversial, and world-changing author Harold Robbins in 1982. He was the author of such bestsellers as *A Stone for Danny Fisher*, *The Carpet Beggars*, *The Lonely Lady*, *The Adventures*, *The Betsy*, and many more. In 1982. He had sold over 750 million copies translated into 42 languages. And Jan worked on the editor of many of his books. And after marrying Harold in 1992, they were featured and interviewed on Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous. They also appeared on in-depth interviews on major networks, ABC, NBC, CBS, a bunch of different magazines and uh, national newspapers. Incredible. After Harold Robbins passed away at age 81... Jan continued to develop and edit his unfinished manuscripts which is so wonderful Uh, she continues to do this and to be an advocate for his work and all kinds of wonderful causes and it is a beautiful talent herself Jan has also co-authored the nonfiction novel Hope and Honor uh, the life story of General Sidney Shashnow published in October 2004 and was awarded the prestigious William Colby Award for the best book of 2005 incredible so many more accolades you can learn about from her she's an incredible woman Um, Thank you so much for joining me, Jan.
2: Hi, August.
0: So in addition to your fantastic and interesting and creative life, Jan, you also had a remarkable love story with Harold Robbins. Many of us have heard about him or read his work. What was he like as a person?
2: He probably was one of the most interesting people that I have ever met in my life. Um, He was so generous. And so good to people. And uh, his genius was incredible. And But what I fell in love with when I met Harold was his heart. Harold did everything from the heart. He always told authors, write from the heart and you'll never be in the wrong place. And that's the way he lived his life. And his life was bigger than life because of that. Indeed. So he, to me, he's one of the most unique men in the world. And I love that.
0: He also seemed very much ahead of his time. He included sex scenes and, and cussing, I know, in, in his books at a time that we didn't find that. Uh, well, yeah, in
2: 1948, when he wrote uh, Never Love a Stranger he broke the barriers and uh... you know people didn't use cuss words in literature people didn't talk about sex they implied it but they didn't talk about it and uh, harold wanted to, to uh... talk about it and because that was part of life and and he didn't want to keep it behind the closed doors any longer and uh... you know he, harold was in the, in the vein of Charles Dickens, in that he wrote about the world around him. And this was the world around him. He grew up in poverty. He grew up on the streets. And, uh, you know, this is what people talked about. And, and his books bring that thread, you know, from the very first one into the last one. Um, it was about people. And uh, he just felt that, that those barriers need, needed to come down.
0: And he also, I know, uh, faced quite a lot of um, criticism for doing so. Tell us about uh, the, the censorship issues that he, he faced.
2: Yeah. Uh, in New York City, when his book first came out, it was published under Alfred Knopf. And uh, the I don't know who made the complaint about the book or what organization made the complaint about the book that it was too dirty and it was not fit to be on the shelves of stores or libraries or anything else. Well, the police came in and confiscated all the copies of the books uh, off the shelves and uh, they went to court. And, you know, I admire Alfred Knopf because they, he went to court with Harold and they talked about, uh, you know, the, the the sex scenes, the cussing, why it was important to the story. And they proved to the judge that it was real life and that was what he was writing about. And uh, so the judge, when he finally made his decision, he said... Um, he said that he would rather his daughter, he had a, a, a 13-year-old daughter, 14-year-old daughter, he said, I would rather my daughter would learn about sex between the pages of a Harold Robbins novel than behind a barn door. <laughs> and that was the end of the issue. And then later on, uh, Harold went to court uh, with Larry Flint uh, when Larry Flint was facing his censorship uh, and he testified for Larry Flint that, you know, this is life. Sex is part of life. Now, if you don't agree with it, that's fine, but it's part of life,
0: sure. and there's
2: nothing wrong with it.
0: Absolutely. And uh, to stand in the way of someone else's uh, freedom is, is, is an unfortunate and sad thing. Uh, so you are well aware of this um, controversy. I just had Casey Cowell on the line from from OWL. And uh, the conference was booted from its location of of decades uh, because of the fact that uh, I work in sexual um, advocacy and because of another workshop um Led by Valde Brotherton, that is on writing sex scenes, which I think is so important. Uh, how did you feel when you heard about that news?
2: Well, I I really thought, you know, Harold fought this battle in nineteen forty eight. Yeah. Are we still fighting it? Yeah. I mean, it's just amazing to me. I when I when I heard about this, I was just sort of uh, incensed because why in in today's world. Are we standing in in the way of developing our own sense of sexuality, of freedom? Um, I did a little research on this school, and I'm told, now I don't know, this is research on the the Internet, and maybe I'm wrong, but they give the tuition for free in exchange for the students working on campus.
0: Yeah, I believe that's right.
2: At first, I thought, that's kind of a cool idea, but then I thought, wait a minute, they're they're controlling the agenda, so isn't that a little bit like slavery?
0: Mm, Interesting.
2: And uh, it's just really offensive to me. Learning is supposed to be about discovery, and and, I mean, every student in the world, every grown-up in the world, every old person in the world, they're still discovering things about their sexuality, about, you know, most people think that, that older people have don't have sex. Let me tell you, Harold had sex until, until <laughs> the day he died. <laughs> I love it. And, uh, and, you know, it's a part of life. It's a part of our being. Jeez. And it's not anything that should be shunned, that anybody should be ashamed about or hide behind the doors. So
0: very well said. That, yes, I, I absolutely agree with you. And uh, you know, I, I think our sexuality should be this ever unfolding adventure. And Valda Brotherton's workshop, by the way, the title is uh, something along the lines of. Uh, you know, having sex as, as an older person, you know, that's the topic. And I think that is uh-huh. so beautiful because, you know, our, our sexuality should not fizzle away. That's not natural for it, too. So
2: No, yeah, and it doesn't need to. Yes. You know, it, it faces changes as every relationship. You know, the way we were when we were 15, 16 years old is different than the way we are today in every area of life. You know, maybe we're a little wiser than we were sure. at 18. Um, you know, but that doesn't mean you have to, to drop the pleasures of life. You can yeah. still have fun. Uh, you know, that's another thing that Harold taught me. You, have, you can have fun regardless of the circumstance. Mm. And to, to, for this school to, to block uh, discovery of, of things that are very important in life, they should not even be allowed to teach. I know it's a privately owned school, but that doesn't mean you can control the agenda.
0: I hear you there, and it's interesting because numerous people, when they've heard about the controversy, have said to me, well, it's a Christian school, as though that's sort of an excuse, and I think oh. it makes it more likely to hear that because there is a lot more uh, judgment in some areas of Christianity, but I know your view of uh, Christianity and sexuality is a bit different. Could you, could you tell us about that?
2: Yes, because Christianity is based on love. Yes. It's based on love. It's not based on inhibition. It's not based on uh, being a sinner. Christianity, in its purest sense, is love. And, you know, it it doesn't mean you have to be married. You have to... I'm not saying that, that those restrictions are even part of Christianity. If you read from the early... from Genesis, you know, the male and female of God's creating... You know, there, were, there, there didn't used to be marriage ceremonies. There didn't used to be just one wife with the patriarchs. It was many wives. And, and so I think that all of this uh, concern that this school seems to have about sex or that uh, other people who have concern about talking about sex are, is just unfounded when it comes to Christianity. Because Christianity is freedom, sure. but not in not in the 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 light of what some people say. But that's human opinion.
0: Mm. Yes, yes, and it's not about judging one another, as I understand it. Christianity
2: exactly. is
0: love one yes. another. Absolutely. And you know,
2: if you read if you read Harold's books, he never judges his characters.
0: That is beautiful. He Never
2: judges. He he says, "This is the way it is." And you can make up your mind if you like it or don't like it. Well now that's very much the way that he conducted his own life. He doesn't judge people. I had never met anybody that did I came from Oklahoma. They're very judgmental in Oklahoma. You know, if you're not if you're not a just a certain way <laughs> yeah. you know, and that's close to Arkansas. So I don't want to insult Arkansas or Oklahoma, but Sorry. open your thought to new ideas and new ways to do things and new way to new ways to think things and don't judge
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And one of my hopes is that somebody, perhaps there's a student who's attending a school because of the fact that it is affordable for them. They don't have these high tuition bills and maybe they feel a little uh, hurt by some of these notions and beliefs. And hopefully they can hear these words, hear your words, hear the message of OWL and uh, see that there is another way. Uh, What do you feel we can all do to make a difference in this regard?
2: I think number 1 we can quit judging others and judging information that may come to you. You know, it's an insult that you that they don't think that somebody can make their own decisions about uh sex, about erotic sex, about kinky sex. You know, it's different strokes for different folks.
0: Good pun there but too. Not, not
2: everybody can can be put into a box and say you yes. got to act like this, or you're not, you're 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 insane, or you're this, or you're that. Get the judgment out. Yes. And don't you know believe in the person's integrity to choose what they like. It, there's nothing wrong with any of it. There should be not no stigma placed on uh, how you enjoy your sexuality, whether it's gay, lesbian, bi, tranny, anything. You know, don't make a judgment. It's based on love, so let's not judge it.
0: Thank you. What a beautiful message and what a remarkable woman and artist and advocate you are. What an amazing uh, legacy you are carrying on uh, in in Harold's um, honor and I'm so privileged. I feel privileged to uh, be meeting you in this way and also I can't wait. I just bought uh, 79 Park Avenue, Harold uh, Robbins' first book. Uh, It's on my Kindle and uh, I'm just so excited to explore his work. So thank you so much for joining me and if there's ever any Way that we can be supportive of of your work and and Harold's as well. Please let me know.
2: Okay, and thank you very much for giving me the platform to say what I feel and to your listeners.
0: Absolutely, thank you, Jan. Isn't she fantastic? I just feel so honored to be able to um, speak with with um, women and and men. Casey and Jan are both wonderful examples of the differences that we can make in the voices that we have. All of Harold Robbins' books will be available on Amazon.com Audible starting with 79 Park Avenue on April 26th, which is very exciting. Uh, So you can go over to HaroldRobbinsNovels.com and you can pre-order all of his books, which is so exciting, uh, on Amazon. What are your thoughts on the Owl Writers Conference controversies? Have you ever felt discriminated against or judged for speaking about sex or writing about sex? As you know from the show, so many women especially have had experiences when they've been shunned or shamed for their sexuality. It's not a good thing, and conversation is always good. So whether you agree or disagree, I would love to hear from you. Connect with me and the whole Girl Boner community on Facebook, Twitter, and my blog. You can also send me a personal note through my website, augustmclaughlin.com, and join me next week on my website for the beauty of a woman blog fest it's a fantastic celebration of real beauty if you're enjoying girl boner radio i hope you'll subscribe on itunes leave a rating and review and hop over to my website augustmclaughlin.com for show extras and a whole lot more thank you so much for listening and have a beautiful girl boner embracing week